everyone, and welcome to Sprint Race Show. My name's Emma Ridgway, and I will be talking about some of the main talking points happening in the world of Formula One. Welcome to season two, everyone. I'm so happy to be back. I had a very restful winter. I'm delighted to have had a few months off before coming back to make this episode. Some of you might have noticed that I made a special episode a few weeks ago from the Autosport Awards, which was an incredible experience. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, please do. I had the chance to speak to some great people like Alex Albon, Oscar Piastri, David Croft, Karin Chandok, and more as well. The off-season in Formula One is never a quiet time, no more so than this year especially. I have so much to cover, so many thoughts to give. Um, So today I'm going to be talking about the initial aftermath of Abu Dhabi. I'm going to be talking about the new car reveals and the initial test that also wasn't a test, the shakedown in Barcelona. And I'm going to be giving my thoughts after day one of the Bahrain official testing. But before we begin, I wanted to firstly say thank you to everyone who voted for Sprint Race Show at the Sports Podcast Awards. If you didn't know, this podcast was actually up for Best Motorsport Podcast, which after just one season was amazing. I was completely overwhelmed, especially because this was the only independent show there. Thank you so much for your support and for voting as well. There have also been a number of improvements that I've been making to the motorsport blog. The website for that is now sprintrace.show. And before you ask, yes, I am very proud of that URL. So some of you may recall from my rather glum final episode of season one that I wasn't too pleased with the outcomes of the final race of last season. So what happened afterwards? Well, it's all over the news, so you probably already know that Michael Massey has been, uh, I guess, moved into a new role. Of course, Michael Massey was the person who made that call. Initially, I was worried that the FIA would not take enough action. And I think their initial response got me even more worried. There was a lot of rumours online that they just hoped it would go away. They hoped that people would forget about it and just move on. I think they quickly realised after Hamilton's silence that that wasn't going to happen. But what we do know is that there have been some new changes. For example, Michael Massey has been taken out of his role as race director. There will now be two race directors instead of one, and there will be now a football-style video assistant race director. Instead of VAR, it'll be VARD. So we have a VARD. There we go. It's clear that Hamilton is coming back with a vengeance. So one better hope that he has a good car under him. Well, speaking of the cars, this year, of course, is the first official year of the new rule changes. And what does that mean? Well, if you're a Formula One engineer or aerodynamicist, it means, I guess, the limits of your imagination within the new rules. The new rules are ultimately designed to make the cars follow much closer than they are now. For the duration of the turbo hybrid era, cars have really struggled to follow due to the turbulent air that comes out the back. The idea of the new rules is that the airflow, instead of going and being turbocharged behind the cars, which in turn is like 
you know, facing a water pump and trying to walk into it, the air will hopefully go up and over the car, allowing them to follow more closely. That is the intention. We haven't had any racing yet. So what have the teams released so far? Well, unfortunately, the actual car launches ended up just being livery launches, in all honesty. A lot of the teams weren't willing to really show off what they had designed. And in fact, that has been proved by what the teams brought to Barcelona testing and to Bahrain today. I saw it as a bit of a merchandising launch, in all honesty. I mean, I'm not going to lie, it did make me want to buy a lot of the merch. I don't know if any of you saw those Aston Martin jackets, but they look amazing. And I, for one, particularly loved the new Williams livery as well. Unfortunately, for nearly all of the teams, the cars were actually leaked just before. So we kind of knew what they were going to look like in terms of the livery. And that was a bit of a letdown for me. That reduced some of the hype. But it's a bit of fun. I get it. It's, it's there to be engaging. It's become a launch event for the brand more than the physical aerodynamics and design of the car. But I'm okay with that. What I wasn't okay with was calling Barcelona a shakedown. I know what people say that, you know, Bahrain had the rights for a test, which meant they had exclusivity of testing. Therefore, Barcelona was painted as a shakedown, as a way of the teams getting used to the new rules and the new cars for the very first time, giving them just a little bit longer to get used to all of the big changes that they've made. But, (laughs) but once again, it was used as a whole event. There were lots of journalists, there was a press conference, there were interviews, there was posts galore from all of the teams and it felt like the only thing that was really missing was the fans. And compared to what I've seen in Bahrain today, the initial kind of anticipation of seeing the cars for the first time I think has been really missed because the teams that tested in Barcelona seem to have on the whole ironed out any of those little kinks that they have. But to me that is what makes testing so exciting. The idea of watching a team trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Seeing cars make mistakes, seeing cars come out in the different conditions. That, to me, is why testing is exciting and it's rare as well. It's the only time of the year where we ever really get to see that. And so with this huge rule change, it felt like a massive letdown for the fans and for people watching on TV not being able to see that for the very first time together with the teams, with the drivers. And so a lot of it we saw through the eyes of journalists and photographers. If I were Bahrain, I would be a little bit annoyed because to me, that test in Barcelona, the non-test in Barcelona, I'm going to keep correcting myself, but you can see the problem here, right? Has taken away some of the shine from the Bahrain test. I don't think in the last decade of watching Formula One and talking about Formula One, I've ever heard or said the word side pod so many times. And of course, the reason for that is that the side pods themselves are key in pushing a lot of that air up and over the car. They're also being heavily regulated by the FIA because they want that to happen. They want the air to do that because they want closer racing. So we saw the kind of 
dummy car that the FIA had launched last year, and the teams have just gone wild with it. But with a relatively blank canvas, it's great to see that amount of creativity. Like, I was joking about the bathtub, but people are saying that the Ferrari is really innovative. Mercedes have gone with a kind of slim Sadies approach. With Red Bull, they've got Adrian Newey back, who infamously designed their four-time winning race car. But we're not actually going to know whether any of these side pods are actually successful until race day. Um, What they are testing right now, what the teams have been focusing on, is gluing that car to the floor as much as possible. There has been a huge amount of work on the floors for all the cars, and we started to see something really unusual in Barcelona, which was called, uh, I think they called it porpoising, where the car was going down a main straight and essentially bouncing. And they're bouncing because of the, the seal. The car is trying to seal itself to the floor as much as possible. And when that seal is broken, it lifts up again, a bit like a plunger. And so you have this bouncing effect, which is obviously hugely uncomfortable for the drivers. So I think in between Barcelona non-testing and Bahrain official testing, the teams have been trying to reduce that porpoising as much as possible whilst trying not to lose any of that aerodynamic downforce, which is, as you can imagine, hugely difficult. I think there will be trade-offs coming quite soon. And what I mean by that is I think some teams are just not going to be able to, to cope with that amount of of bounce going down the streets, and so they will have to lift the car slightly. When I spoke to Stefano Domenicali at the Autosport Awards, I asked him if this was too many changes for Formula One. And I asked that because, as I said about the side pods and the floor, there's all these different rule changes, and then there's also the additional change of the engine being locked for three years. So as soon as that engine hits the grid, the configurations for it are essentially frozen. So right now, all of the teams are like chefs in a kitchen with relatively the same ingredients, trying to make the best dish. And yeah, they're using their experience and their knowledge and they understand the foundations that, you know, you need to add a little bit of seasoning here or you need to boil the water before you put things in. They understand the foundational aspects of the car that they're building. But in order to make the best car, the best dish, they have to know what of the ingredients that they have, of the methods that they're using and the setup that they have, what is it that they need to fine tune? And that is an incredibly difficult task, which I think is going to take the majority of the season. So whilst I think the leaderboard for Bahrain testing is important, For example, both Ferraris are second and third, which I think is great. It's good to see them up there. I don't think we can make any assumptions right now, given the massive changes that we have. I think it's fair to assume uh, a few things. For example, I think that Max wants to keep his number one title. He will be pushing hard. I think Lewis is coming in with a vengeance. I think he will be pushing hard. Ferrari have felt like they have underperformed for a few years and And as I've mentioned on this show, there are drivers like Charles Leclerc and George Russell who seem to punch well above their weight in terms of the cars that they're driving. So there's all these little factors to come into play. And I think the first race of the season is going to be key for a lot of the teams in terms of development, 
but I do not think it will be the be-all and end-all as to who is going to win the championship this year. With that in mind, we have a very long season ahead of us, 23 races. And before all of this even started, there has been a driver change. And that, of course, has been the, I guess, sacking of Nikita Mazepin, whose father, Dmitry Mazepin, owned the main sponsor for Haas, the team that Nikita was driving. And in light of what is happening in the world right now, I don't think that Haas had another direction to go down. What is happening in Ukraine right now is an atrocity. And initially, I was disappointed with the FIA's response. After the end of last season, I thought that the lesson had been learned about clear communication. And to me, the FIA's initial response left way too much room for interpretation, which is not a grey area that you want to be in in a war. Mazepin himself called this a political situation. I couldn't disagree more. And so in that regard, I think it was the right decision to let Nikita go. I think it was the right decision and a brave decision for the Formula One group to remove the contract so as to not race in Russia. Nikita and his father Dmitry have since been sanctioned by the EU due to Dmitry's close ties with President Putin. And the driver gap at Haas has, 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 this is a very difficult line to say, been filled by their former driver, Kevin Magnussen. The fact that they are now relying on an experienced driver rather than, I guess, a funded driver, to me, shows that Haas are in a better place. And hopefully that means that they will be a little bit more competitive in the future. So 23 races to come. I really hope this year we get to return to the likes of Suzuka, Singapore. Obviously, we have the new Miami race as well. I will be back shortly after the first race of the season, and I can't wait to go through this year with you all. Thank you again for tuning in and see you next time. <laughs>